Uh, we're gonna, I'm going to ask the uh, ushers once we get situated here if we can collect our tithes and offerings for tonight. Uh, do remind you if you want your uh, giving to be counted for 2013, uh, we need that by uh, the 31st. Uh, so ideally by next Saturday, but you can certainly drop that off if you need to before that. Uh, make sure that gets in your uh, records for next year. So uh, encourage you to do that. So let's, uh, as we collect our offering, as we get situated, let's have a word of prayer. Fight the Holy Spirit into our presence in this time, in this place. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for this amazing gift that came to us on Christmas morning, we ask that you just send your Spirit upon us now. That you gift us with a full measure of your love and grace that we can truly understand the reason for this amazing season. That we can truly be people uh, that share that message of hope, peace, joy, and love with all of those who we encounter. We just ask that you come into our hearts that you help us hear these words in a new way tonight, that you help us hear this story in a new way tonight, that it speaks to us across the centuries, that it still touches us, that it still moves us, and it still brings us closer to you, to your kingdom, and to your people. Amen. As the ushers are collecting the tithes and offerings, I do remind you that uh, we are starting a series in January, Love to Stay by Adam Hamilton. It's a great series um, focused on relationships. Um, so definitely for anyone in any, <coughs> excuse me, any kind of relationship, wonderful book, uh, has a little study guide with it uh, kind of built into the book. We will be doing that in form as well. It's by Adam Hamilton. Uh, you can get that at cokesbury.com or at amazon.com. New book, wonderful resource. Uh, hope you'll like it. I think it's a great, great resource. And I think it will uh, both strengthen our relationships and hopefully as we look to disciple others and mentor others, uh, continue to disciple them. Uh, I also encourage you just to continue to be in prayer over our forwarding ministry. Uh, we're just kind of waiting uh, to see the powers above. Uh, from, or we're just kind of waiting to hear from the powers that be um, to kind of see where that can go and what possibilities we have with that. Um, so uh, we're just kind of being prayer in that, and we uh, hope that comes to fruition so we can uh, truly share together in that, um, that, that we've proposed, that kind of forwarding ministry. Well, I welcome you once again to New Life. I am Mark. I want to welcome all of those who are joining us online and those who are joining us through our podcast. Of course, you can catch any of our teaching times at www.findnewlifeumc.org or you can find, uh, search New Life UMC on iTunes and sign up for our podcast. So I encourage you to do that tonight, if you've not already. Tonight we're talking about Christmas. Because why not, right? It's Christmas time. And if I asked you tonight, what is the reason for the season, what would you say? Yes, Jesus is the answer. Jesus. Jesus is the reason 
for the season. Now, you said that or thought that, I assume. Um, first of all, because we're in church. And that's generally the answer to questions that the clergy ask. Generally, the answer is Jesus. And, and you may not, you know, you, you, we don't generally a- answer in ways that, uh, you know, that you, you would think. It's not presence, obviously. It's not so... Stores can make a profit so our economy can turn around. It's not for even uh, goodwill towards men. You may not even say family. You knew the answer was Jesus. Jesus is the reason for the season. But is Christmas just a celebration of Jesus' birthday? Do we give each other presents because some rich guys from Asia came and gave Jesus some presents? Do we just gather together because Jesus was born or we celebrate Jesus' birthday on December 25th? I think it's more than that. I think there's a lot more to this story than just a birthday. And so tonight as we celebrate the reason for the season, I want us to relive this story, to look at it once again and try to see what Christmas is all about. We're going to be jumping around from Luke to Matthew back to Luke. So if you have your Bibles with you, uh, the words are not on the screen tonight. So if you have your Bibles with you or Bible apps, you can get them open to Luke chapter 1, verse 26 through 38. And we will stay through the entirety of Luke chapter 2, but we'll also go to Matthew 1, 18 through 24. Let's hear these words from the Gospel of Luke. When Elizabeth was six months pregnant, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a city in Galilee, to a virgin who was engaged to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David's house. The virgin's name was Mary. When the angel came to her, he said, Rejoice, favored one, the Lord is with you. Now she was confused by these words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. The angel said, don't be afraid, Mary. God is honoring you. Look, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of David his father, and he will rule over Jacob's house forever, and there will be no end to his kingdom. Then Mary said to the angel, how will this happen since I am a virgin? The angel replied, The Holy Spirit will come over you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the one who will be born to you will be holy. He will be called God's Son. Look, even in her old age, your relative Elizabeth has conceived a son. This woman who was labeled as unable to conceive is now six months pregnant. Nothing is impossible for God. Then Mary said, I am the Lord's servant. Let it be with me, just as you have said. And the angel left her. Planning a wedding can be a stressful time, certainly. I'm sure some of you uh, who are married remember that kind of stressful time in your life. There's a lot of preparation. And for us, generally, a wedding is a one-day event. Now, in the ancient Near East, a wedding could have been multiple days. It could have even been weeks 
a week-long celebration or several weeks long of celebration. So think, put yourself in Mary's position. Mary, who was young, who was poor. Mary, who did not have the modern conveniences that we have. Mary, who did not live in a time where travel was as easy as it is today. You can imagine that preparation for her upcoming wedding was probably the focus of her life when the angel came and visited her. And there's a lot of things to do when we prepare. Unfortunately, our Christmas season can become much like that. Jeff said, have you finished shopping for Christmas? Jennifer and I were talking on the way over here that we were trying to figure out when we were going to finish shopping for Christmas, both the uh, Christmas presents we were trying to buy for various people, but also the uh, food and the things that we need for Christmas Eve and Christmas. When are we going to get it done? When are we going to prepare ourselves for this celebration? And it becomes stressful because it comes upon us so fast, especially in a year when Thanksgiving comes so late. And so that reason for the season kind of becomes the prep work and not the true reason. Mary, poor Mary, in the, gift, in, in the midst of everything that she was going through, got some pretty big news. She was going to conceive a child. Pretty big news. She was going to not only conceive a child, but she was going to conceive a child that would be God's Son, the Savior. How do you prepare for that? How do you prepare for those kind of words? Well, Mary, in her youth, in her ignorance, in her naivete, Mary didn't prepare. Because you can't prepare for something that's out of your control. You can't prepare for something you have no control over. So what Mary did was answer God's call. She said, I am your servant. Do as you will. And so Mary wasn't met with stress. Mary wasn't met with the overwhelming sense of how am I going to prepare for this? Mary was met with one of the most important reasons for this Christmas season, and that is peace. Mary had the peace of God granted to her that day, and it stayed with her throughout her entire pregnancy and throughout this amazing and, for most of us, uh, unimaginably stressful circumstance. That peace of God should be what focuses us, not the stress and the preparation of this season. Now let's turn to Matthew, and I always include Matthew because uh, if we don't, we leave out Joseph. I kind of like Joseph. He doesn't say anything in the Bible. We never hear him speak, but I think he's an important character anyway. Matthew chapter 1, 18 through 24. This is how the birth of Jesus took place. When Mary, his mother, was engaged to Joseph before they were married, she became pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man. Because he didn't want to humiliate her, he decided to call off their engagement quietly. 
As he was thinking about just this thing, an angel from the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife because the child she carries was conceived by the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you will call him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place so that what the Lord had spoken through the prophet would be fulfilled. Look, a virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel from the God commanded and took Mary as his wife. But they did not have marital relations until she gave birth to her son and Joseph called him Jesus. Now, everyone goes into marriage with some expectations. You may not talk to your spouse about those expectations. You may not even know that you had them, but we all go into relationships with expectations. Joseph, who we fight about really what he was or or how old he was or anything else, but we know some things or we can imagine some things about Joseph, this carpenter from Bethlehem. We can imagine that Joseph was expecting to get married, to start a family, to start a career, to perhaps build a house, his family home in Bethlehem. He was probably expecting that his wife would not get pregnant before their wedding, especially not with someone else's child. Most of us probably have that same expectation. None of Joseph's expectations would come to pass. His life would be turned upside down. Christmas can be a time of expectation. We expect the time we spend picking out that perfect gift for those people we love. We expect that's going to be met with gratitude, with happiness, We expect that all the preparation that leads to a perfect and wonderful time with our family is going to lead to something great in our lives. But sometimes gifts aren't right. Sometimes gifts aren't even enjoyed. Sometimes gifts are returned. Those gifts that we spend so much time on. Sometimes Christmas Day we're so exhausted and worn out because of the expectations that everything just seems to fall apart when our expectations become the focus of Christmas, we lose one of the true meanings of this season. Hope. Now, it wasn't at the forefront of Joseph's mind, but it was part of who he was because in his heart, the people of Israel, the children of King David, believed that God would send a Savior. They had hope that God would deliver them from the oppression of the Romans, that God would deliver them from the oppression of all enemies, and that a king would arise, that he would be the Son of God, that he would rule over the house of David forever. When the angel came to Joseph, that hope became a reality. That hope ignited in his heart, and it kept him through the many troubles and turmoils that him and Mary would have to go through. Fleeing to Egypt, hiding from a king, 
hiding from a government, being poor and always on the run. The hope that this child called Jesus would be something more, would be a king and a savior. That was truly, truly the hope that stayed with him and truly the reason for this season. So that hope should be with us as well. That God, Emmanuel, God with us, came to earth on that Christmas night. Now let's turn to the bulk of our story, Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. In those days, Caesar Augustus declared that everyone throughout the empire should be enrolled in the tax lists. The first enrollment occurred when Quirinius, governor of Syria, called the people together. Everyone went to their own cities to be enrolled. Since Joseph belonged to David's house and the family line, he went up to the city of Nazareth, from Nazareth in Galilee, to David's city called Bethlehem in Judea. He went to be enrolled together with Mary, who was promised to him in marriage and who was pregnant. While they were there, the time came for Mary to have her baby. She gave birth to her firstborn child, a son, wrapped him snugly and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the guest room. The birth of a child is always an exciting event. It's one of those things that happens every day. Happens every few minutes, actually, around the world. It's fairly common. But it's always special. It's always a miracle. It's always exciting. No doubt Mary and Joseph were excited as they were going home to Joseph's home in Bethlehem to have their child, Jesus, the Savior. But excitement isn't always a positive thing. Mary and Joseph had to travel from Nazareth to Bethlehem. And when they arrived in Joseph's hometown, they had to bunk in a stable. And I'm guessing the excitement was kind of a nervous excitement. And even though they were expecting things to go well, I bet they were ready for that excitement to be over. Christmas comes with a lot of excitement, doesn't it? But excitement is a hard, hard thing to sustain. When I was growing up, I was always excited about Christmas. <coughs> excited about the uh, presents that I would get, the presents that I would give, even searching the house for said presents. And I would spend the whole month of December preparing <coughs> for this event excited about this one special day. Then that day came, Christmas morning. And the excitement came. I got up first thing in the morning, 5, 6 o'clock, ran downstairs. Everybody else in my house was asleep. My parents don't like to get up. My brother doesn't either. And so I had to wait, and the excitement built. Lord knows if Christmas was Sunday, then everything got screwed up because we had to go to church and had to wait even longer for presents to get opened. And then those presents came and we unwrapped them in a flurry of paper and string and ribbon. The nerve having Christmas on Sunday. 
and the excitement wore off. And by Christmas afternoon, we were all pretty worn out. Excitement (coughs) cannot be sustained. Excitement cannot be carried on. Adrenaline and nervousness cannot be a continual state of being. Christmas is not about the excitement we feel. It's about a promise that we've been given. Now, when Mary gave birth to Jesus, unlike our nativity sets, unlike our movies, there were not angels singing. The angels were in the fields, not even close. There were no little drummer boys, I'm sorry to say. The wise men were not there yet. That's why they're on the other side of the table. They didn't come until Epiphany. The birth of Jesus came quite silently, quite simply, in a cold, dirty stable, in a cave, in the back of a house. And there wasn't a lot of pomp and circumstance. The excitement and the adrenaline that Joseph and Mary had soon wore off. But I don't think it was excitement, and I don't think it's excitement, that we feel when a child is born. I don't think if you have had children of your own that it was excitement that you felt the minute, maybe terror, the minute after they were born, when you realized that you were responsible for that little person. But I believe in my heart that most of us, if anything, experienced something we would call joy. And I believe that Mary and Joseph in that quiet stable, looking down in that manger at the little baby called Jesus, were experiencing something that's only given from God on high, something we call joy. Something that never wears out. Something that is not exhausted. Something that truly is the reason for this season. Let's continue on in Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 20. Nearby shepherds were living in fields. See, we got to the shepherds. Guarding their sheep by night. The Lord's angel stood before them and the Lord's glory shone around them. And they were terrified. The angel said, don't be afraid. Look, I bring good news to you. Wonderful, joyous news for all people. Your Savior is born today in David's city. He is Christ the Lord. (coughs) This is a sign for you. You will find a newborn baby wrapped snugly and laying in a manger. Suddenly, a great assembly of the heavenly forces was with the angel praising God. They said glory to heaven and on earth peace among those whom he favors. When the angels returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go right now to Bethlehem and see what has happened. Let us confirm what the Lord has revealed to us. They went quickly and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. When they saw this, they reported that all that they had seen and been told about this child, everyone who heard it was amazed at what the shepherds told them. Mary committed these things to memory 
and considered them carefully. The shepherds returned home, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. Everything happened just as they had been told. Everyone in Israel in this time anticipated the coming king. They anticipated what it would be like when God came and sent a Savior. They anticipated that this coming king would be announced to prophets, to people in high positions, to the leaders of the world. And the righteous and the mighty would be those who heard the news. It would be proclaimed from the top of Mount Zion and spread across Israel. On the other hand, those shepherds anticipated a quiet night. Occasionally, probably a wolf came around. But that was the most excitement they had. But on that night, they got something more. Now, we anticipate a lot when it comes to Christmas. We anticipate what kind of gifts we're going to get. We anticipate how people are going to react to those gifts. We like to predict how things are going to go, and we generally don't like surprises. We anticipate which relative's going to ruin the day, or which food is going to run out first because it's everyone's favorite. But when you don't allow for surprises, when you try to anticipate everything, you don't allow God to surprise you. Now, go figure, everyone in Israel was wrong. And I don't say that to pick on the people of Israel. I assume that when we talk about the second coming of Christ, everyone in America will be wrong. Everyone who goes to church will be wrong, and God will surprise us again. But we do know everyone in Israel was wrong. The coming of the Christ did not happen to trumpets and fanfare. It did not happen to prophets. It did not happen to kings. The coming of Christ occurred in a stable to two poor children. The first people that heard about it were the lowly of the low, the common, dirty shepherds. And the first people who came from any distance were foreigners, not even religious people in the right sense of the word. Everything was wrong. But then again, everything was right according to God. It can be fun to anticipate things, but when anticipation is tied to our preparation, our expectation, even our excitement, in other words, when anticipation is a form of control, we don't let God allow God to work in our lives. We don't allow for God to be shown in this season. We don't allow for God to share something. Something very powerful that night. That love came to earth in a stable, in a manger, and into each of our lives. The true meaning of Christmas is Jesus. You were right. 
Good job. You all knew it. We've heard it a hundred times. But there's more to the story than that. It's about what Jesus came to bring. With Christ, peace, hope, joy, and love also came into the world. Those are not things that are tied to us. They're not emotions. They're not feelings. They are forces of the divine. They are beliefs. Yes. They are tied to God in heaven. And God grants us and gifts us with each of those things because of Christ Jesus. They are fruits of new life. New life that is available through the life, the death, the resurrection, the ascension of Jesus Christ who came for all of us. And with Him, a transformed living, a union with God, a relationship, a salvation, an everlasting hope, an everlasting love, an everlasting peace, an everlasting joy. On that first Christmas, God became one of us to save us. To be back like things were meant to be. So that we could become children of God, heirs to the kingdom of heaven. And every year, we celebrate Jesus being born. Every year we celebrate peace, hope, joy, and love. But most of all, we celebrate a child born who is Emmanuel, Christ, God with us. Amen. Let us pray as we uh, transition now into our time of worship and praise. And I'll give you some more instruction um, uh, during our praise time as to how we will um, do our candlelight service. If you did not get candles, they are back there. Please get a candle. <coughs> Excuse me. And, and we'll give more instruction on that here in a minute. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for these beautiful gifts, the gift of Jesus Christ, your Son, the gift of peace. Although we look for anything but, we thank you for the gift of hope, although we hang on to despair and doubt. We thank you for the gift of joy, although we seek happiness above all else. We thank you for the gift of love. Even when it's warped by our own desires and needs, it still exists in our heart. And it is still a gift from you. Truly, allow us to see that this season is a season for all of those gifts from you. And that we can gift other people peace, joy, hope, and love as we celebrate with them, as we share with them, as we pray with them, as we live life with each of them. 
Lord, just be with all of those who need your love, who are alone and lost this holiday season. Help us truly be your hands and feet. Be with those who serve and those who lead. Be with those who are in big places and those in small places. Be with those who bring us closer to you and those who we need to bring closer to you. Most of all, be with your church. Help us be one as you are one. We pray this in your holy name. Amen.